0: Welcome to Hope, Merry Christmas, Uh tis the season. Um, Several things going on around here I want you to know about. First of all, if you're visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of paper, drop it in the wooden box in the back of the room on your way out and we will follow up with you accordingly. Uh, Additionally, there will be members of our prayer team available in the back corner uh, during our time of offering. If you would like prayer for anything going on in your life at this time, we encourage you to take advantage of that as well. Let's see, several things going on around here. Youth group, not going on around here right now. We're taking a break for the holidays. Ha, set you up. Um, but uh, other things, uh, we are going to decorate for Christmas after church today. I need a head count for pizza, if you're going to stick around and help us put up the nativity scene or set out the decor inside, can you just raise your hand, I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but if you're planning to be here, all right. so I've got two, four, Rusty are you raising two hands, okay, two, four slices of pizza for Rusty. 13 it's looking like maybe 15 or 16 people let's let's play in for 20 is that too many okay you got this tori all right thank you sir um very good what am i missing what did i forget women's ornament exchange coming up on the 15th of december um I advise wearing a helmet. <laughs> Just, you know. See, the like These girls are serious. Yeah, Kevlar vest, something like that. Uh, so bring an ornament, roughly $10 value is at the normal yeah. threshold. And then it shall be, you bring it wrapped. If you bring a friend, wrap your friend, <laughs> or wrap an ornament for your friend. But um, then there's this sort of, exchange where they steal them from each other and I'm not really sure how it works but I'm just saying it can it can be dangerous so that's coming up on the 15th yes sir men are are not invited (laughs) men men may or may not gather at my house during that same time period I can neither confirm nor deny that possibility but uh all right, what else? Blueprint. Blueprint Christmas, yes. So thank you to those of you who uh, clicked through on the email and got things for our sister church in Cuba. Um, so how do I explain this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to Blueprint, I promise. But just the Cuba thing, we have, we have a sister church in central Cuba, small town, middle of nowhere. Um, and I would say that the prevailing sentiment among a Cuban uh, church member, or really Cubans in general, is how isolated they feel and cut off from the rest of the world. And so we had a few things. I was talking to our pastor's wife there uh, last month, and uh, don't ever give a Cuban your WhatsApp number. Just it's crazy. This, if something's free, they will use it. Um, anyway, uh, and I said, "Well, just you know, send me an email with some of the things that y'all need for Christmas for your for your new house." And so she's like, "No, no, no, I don't want to do that." And you know, her husband Miguel, our the pastor of our sister church, is in Florida now. He will kill me for telling you this so please don't mention this to him but he's he's working in a restaurant washing dishes for 10 bucks an hour and he's trying to get so how do I explain this so we support them to to the they're part of our missions support and when we decided and committed to that support for them we literally like multiplied his annual income by 11 and it's not even that much money That we give he's he's they've they're in a house that needed a lot of work and he's afraid like he doesn't want to ask for more money and I really I respect him right like that's respectable you don't go back to the well you go to work and you try to and so we we bought him a plane ticket to Florida and he's just trying to work to save money and um and his wife wants him to buy curtains and he's like no i'm not working 10 bucks an hour to buy you curtains we'll just slap some old sheets over the windows or something and so anyway i get a hold of that was able to put it on the on the sheet of things we could buy i think i think they're all done at this point y'all y'all clicked and paid for them on amazon and they'll arrive in the house in miami where miguel is staying but um just what a cool little way we we you know, are connected to this group of people and have the opportunity to bless them. And um, Additionally, every summer, our youth go downtown to San, South San Antonio and work on houses through a ministry called Blueprint. And they have a dorm and a cafeteria, and they, hold, they put us up and they, with other youth groups, and we go out and we work during the day and fix up people's homes. And the, so two of those families that we've worked on their homes, we have their Christmas lists. And those are on the, the link that I sent out. Is there info in here that has that? Um, anyway, I'll send that out. I'll send that back out. We have a deadline there of a week from today. Uh, and, then, and then so two weeks from today, we will need a couple of volunteers to actually take those presents down to Blueprint, and then they do like this big group Santa sleigh thing, and Distribute the gifts to the families that we're that we're doing this for. So anyway, all that to say, if you would like to be a part of that, there there is a link. Um, I'll update that this week and send it back out. Take the Cuba stuff off, and it'll just be Blueprint from here on forward. So, um, any questions? Uh, I am sending something to Miguel tomorrow. Yes. So if you have something you want to send, let me know. All right. Good, good. All right. Hope fit. Tomorrow night. Hope fit rocks. (laughs) She'll probably make you pick up rocks, but okay. All right. Why don't we have all of the important people come down to the front if you are in... 5th grade or younger, we invite you down for the children's chat at this time. How you doing, George? Good. Life is good. You ready for Christmas? Yep. What's the best part of Christmas? I don't know, not the presents. Not the presents. Being with your family. Being with your family. Yes, sir. Celebrating the birth of God. Br- celebrating the birth of God. That's kind of cool, George. Presents. Presents. Yes, sir. Learning about others? Caring. Caring about others. That's even better than learning about others. Favon, what's the best part of Christmas? Uh, well, you got food, family, faith, fun, f- presents. Okay. I I don't like else. So a long, long time ago, and uh, Zach and Calvin, can you help me out here? Can y'all just come up here and grab one of those plates, each of you, and then I'll tell you what to do. Dr. Who's Dr. Ohms? It does not matter which one, they are relatively equal, and then if, Zach, if you'll stand here, Calvin, if you'll stand over here. No, just hang out for a second, hang out, look, look, um, no, don't look menacing look um distinguished there you go all right and i I would say something else but you know i don't i don't need to stand there and look stupid yeah okay you're doing a great job sorry love you calvin um okay where were we okay so before the first christmas like way, 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 five, six hundred years before the first Christmas, um, nobody knew about Jesus, and God wanted his people to know that their Savior would, was coming, that he would be born, and that he would bring hope, and so God surprised a member of his family. The guy's name was Daniel. Have you ever heard about Daniel. Okay, well, he's kind of a big deal. He wrote a book of the Bible. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Daniel was praying one day, and he was just, he was just praying, just praying to God. And he was praying that God would restore his, his people's hope. And so God sent an angel to speak to Daniel. The angel's name was Gabriel. Here's the thing. The angel Gabriel was the most important angel in heaven. He was a really big deal. He was the most important angel in heaven. He was the most powerful angel in heaven. And God sent Gabriel to Daniel to give Daniel the message. I'll read you part of it. All right. Um, he, He basically says, I'm sending this anointed one this messiah this this christ to put an end to sin to atone for iniquity and to bring everlasting righteousness uh, and to anoint a holy place so god says 600 years before jesus would die on the cross god sends a message to daniel it's kind of unexpected Right? Um, so I ha- we have a treat for everybody today. Yay. All right. There's there's food and it has an unexpected ingredient. And we're gonna see if we can figure out. So rip those lids off. All right, everybody everybody gets one. Just just take one. It's like a it's like a cookie. Just take one. Well let somebody else try it first and then you'll know. Okay, here here. All right. It has an unexpected ingredient. See if you can figure out. Strong? All right. Keep going. Pass them around. Let everybody have one. Yeah. You can just pass the plate. And if they want to put money in it, that's fine. But I'll just tell you nobody here knows to do that it's just warning it's a so garlic. do you do you, it's garlic. no no so you don't like it you want me to eat it, yeah, eat it. all right Is it cheese? Cornbread. anybody want extras I got extras coming in strong here it's not cornbread it's not cheese Anybody know what the unexpected ingredient is? Oh, salt. Um, salt. It does have salt in it, but that's cinnamon. not the unexpected Peas- ingredient. No. Cinnamon. What? Cinnamon? Cinnamon? I oh, a little cinnamon. What? Butter. What? Bread? You we oh and yeah, you eat some weird stuff. Yeah, Ralph's at a disadvantage because he doesn't eat gluten. Oh. So he can only butter. smell butter. this. Butter. 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 Tomatoes. It does have butter, but that's not the unexpected ingredient. Tomato. Tomato. Okay. How can you taste tomatoes? Did you try yours? I, don't know. I can taste a, All right. I can taste a bunch of cheese. So everybody had a chance? Yeah. Alright, the unexpected ingredient was anyone? Garlic. Tomato Anyone. We've got one correct answer up here. Whoops. What, did you say? what was it? What? Rosemary. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Rosemary tasting. Rosemary tasting. Here, can you, get, can you do it? Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Try it, Zach. Eat it. I have. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> he he uh, he got he got electrocuted um, he died yes he stuck a fork in an outlet and that was it for him no. what no. say say that again He's watching over us god is watching over us no yes they can terrible. that's right all right okay yes not so smart. No, not to stick a fork no he a he outfit. didn't he didn't really do that. Where is he? What did he do? Well, he's, he's he, so he had he had other kids to share God's love with. That. Is any of the unknown ingredients yes. going to be poisonous? None of the known ingredients, none of the okay. unexpected ingredients are expected to be poisonous. Good. All right. Although you you all feel like this one came pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, here's the deal. God God brought an unexpected message at an unexpected time, and the reason he did it was to give his people hope. And so we have hope because God tells us in his word that his son has come into the world to atone, to take care of our sin, and to bring us into God's family forever. Can I pray with you guys? Yeah. No. All right. Sure. Dear God, thank you for these precious children and the gift they are to our church and to our families and to our lives. And we pray your blessing over them as they study more of your word and hope for kids. Help them to see the unexpected ingredients in Christmas. Your love for us through your son, Jesus Christ, the fact that you sent him into this world to uh, take care of our sin and allow us to be with you now and forever. And we thank you for this unexpected gift, and we just pray your blessing uh, over these kids as they spend more more time in your word and hope for kids. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Y'all have a great time. Uh that was interesting <laughs> <laughs> and especially like how how present the rosemary was like it dominated that that little treat but it was hard to figure like I the first time I tasted it, I was like I have no idea what that is Like, but did you get it Jeff did you figure it out you did it's clear as a bell it's food. <laughs> well, I will say this: this this guy has one of those palates where he he tastes something and he's like, "I get I get dried plum and you know." And I'm just like, "I I get beer. I, like, that's what I get when I drink that. I get hints of beer." And he's like, "It's got dried plum and you know, cardamom. I'm like what? What? We don't, You want to play cards?" I don't. I mean, that goes that pairs, that pairs well with beer, I think. I should get back to this. Um, all right. So we uh, are in a great time of year as Christmas approaches. We're in the season of Advent. This is the first Sunday of Advent, um, and so we will be in a series of messages uh, for the next few weeks and beyond Christmas, looking at the unexpected, some of the unexpected aspects of Christmas and how uh, God sort of prepared his people for the coming of his son, and how in the same way he prepares us uh, for the coming of his son into our own hearts and our own lives uh, this time of year and all year. And so I thought it would be at least interesting, maybe fun, to follow, to use this, this angel, Gabriel, as the beginning point for the thread that's going to tie together this this series of messages. And so we're going to look at Gabriel's first appearance where he is named in Scripture, uh, and it's to uh, a prophet named Daniel, and we're actually about a chapter after his first appearance. This is kind of his second uh, uh, conversation with Daniel. Um, but I just want you to think about, like, Daniel is, he's basically a captive. He's in a foreign country that's been, that has taken over Israel. And, well, in this case, it's, it's kind of complicated. Another foreign country, Babylon, took over Israel and carried Daniel away because he was really smart. And he was very well respected. And they, they wanted what he knew. And so they kind of used him as a resource and then that king lost a decisive battle to another king, and that king got Daniel as part of the the bounty of war. And so Daniel's now in a second king's court, if you will, serving there, uh, sharing his intelligence and literally. And that is when this angel Gabriel appears to Daniel. It's it's quite unexpected like Daniel is probably feeling like God has forgotten him and his people like his entire world has been crushed and he's he's an outlier in a foreign land feeling like maybe his God isn't there anymore and so uh, instead of giving up Daniel sort of doubles down on prayer and he's engaged in prayer for his the restoration of his homeland, Israel, and its capital, Jerusalem. And at the same time, he's very engaged personally, and we'll we'll look at that and explore that a little bit in, in his own prayer life. But that's the context into which Gabriel first appears, or at least this is the first appearance of Gabriel where his name is mentioned. We don't know in previous appearances of angels whether it was Gabriel or someone else, but in this case, he actually bothers to identify himself, and there's a, there's a reason for that that we'll see later, but um, I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 9. This is the Old Testament. Daniel was a prophet. He was in captivity while he writes this, and uh, I'm going to begin in verse 20 of chapter 9 and read through verse 27. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come Out to give you insight and understanding at the beginning of your pleas for mercy a word went out and I have come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved therefore consider the word and understand the vision 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal both vision and profit and to anoint a most holy place know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one a prince there shall be 7 weeks then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat but in a troubled time and after the 62 weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate. Until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. All right, will you join me in a quick prayer, please? God, our Father, we just pray that you would help us to understand your word and to put it into practice in our everyday lives. We give you uh, those things that hinder our relationship with you, uh, primarily our sin, and we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we. Lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from uncertain, uh, from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we just pray your healing mercies on your people. I lift up my mother in law, Dolores, as she recovers just from uh, some dizziness yesterday. Just be with her, calm her heart, and heal her body. Uh, We lift up a student of Amber Aston, one of our church members. uh, The 10 year old girl's name is Addie. And as she faces an uncertain diagnosis and doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her, uh, it's some kind of rare neurological condition, and we just pray your healing mercies over that precious girl, be with her and her family throughout this holiday season and lead those doctors to uh, the correct diagnosis and treatment of her condition. And we pray for our country and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. We just pray you would give them wisdom and discernment for the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform. We pray that you would watch over them, keep them safe. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way, that you would bring them home safely. And Lord, we pray for those from our own flock who are deployed uh, in Korea and in the Middle East. And we just pray that you would uh, be with them and their families as they are apart. Keep them uh, close to you and close to one another we just pray your blessings over those families. We thank you for this chance to be together in your name and pray that you would fill us now with your holy spirit and lead us into a deeper understanding of your word in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to start with a little history lesson. Okay? And don't worry There's something in here for math nerds, too. All right? So did you hear that? Okay. So Daniel is writing this in roughly the year 538 or 537 B.C. That's a long time ago, right? And I think you're supposed to say B.C.E. now, but we're in church, so we can just say B.C., dang it. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. I don't know. Before the common era. I like before Jesus. That's what BC stands for. That was like a joke, but smaller and not as funny. Okay. You with me? All right. Um, so just a little bit of history here before Daniel writes this the the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonian army and when i say destroyed i mean destroyed like they they hooked up mule teams to the to the rocks that made up the foundation and pulled them apart they were serious these guys weren't messing around and they they carted off all the contents, put them, up, put them in crates, put them on a plane. It's in a warehouse and no, I'm just kidding. That was <laughs> Temple of Doom um, or whatever, whichever one that was. That was the first one. <coughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. There we go. Um, so the, the temple in Jerusalem is not just in ruins. It's, it's literally gone. I mean, there's some of the rocks are still there, but it's not pretty. It's a pile of rubble at best. And <clears throat> Daniel is in a foreign country that's now been taken over by a different foreign country. Life is not hopeful at this juncture for an Israelite. And then Gabriel appears to Daniel uh, twice. And um, we are sort of picking up on that second uh, appearance of Daniel, of Gabriel to Daniel, because he pro- he's prophesying directly about the coming Messiah. So, in this prophecy, you will notice some some uh, like weeks, seventy weeks, and then you know sixty-two weeks and seven weeks, and all these things. So here's here's what we need to know. The word for week in in Hebrew is just a word that means complete. Seven is the number of completion. It's the number at at which God rested on the seventh day. His creation was complete, and he demonstrated that by resting. It's It's sort of the holy number of Judaism. And so Gabriel says to Daniel, there will be 70 completions, complete cycles, right, so this, it's, a, it's a group of seven. We just don't know what they are. Daniel um, Gabriel does not ex- expressly say seven weeks, or he says seven completions. And there's a scripture way back in Leviticus that talks about uh, these, these complete books of years being in groups of seven. So this is a Jewish thing, a Jewish way of counting time, complete little books of seven years in each book. Does that make sense? And so, when Gabriel says to Daniel, there will be 70 completions, it is entirely likely that Daniel understood that that meant 70 complete little books of seven years each. So, 70 times seven, math majors, 490. Um, And so, here we go. He says, so... Previously, in Gabriel's conversation with Daniel, he says actually seventy years will pass between before the temple is restored. That happens in five fifteen BC, and then in four fifty eight, a descendant of the king that Daniel's serving under here issues a decree that Jerusalem be rebuilt. That's the decree that is referred to in verse twenty five of the text that we read. And there's, there's like seven weeks and then 62 weeks. Did you read that? Did you see that? All right. So in that math, from the time of Artaxerxes' decree in 458, if you add 69 complete books of years, that's 69 times 7, you get what number, math majors? 69 times 7? 490 minus 483? Yeah, 483. So if you add 483 years to 458 B.C., what year do you get? Did you do that math? Because if you did the math, you'll get a different year. Nobody's helping me out here. Nobody. What? Dang it, I gave it away. All right. So if you, if you just subtract 483 from 458, you should get negative what? No. 26. That's correct. Why, if you subtract that from 458 and you would normally get, Negative twenty six. Why was was twenty seven A.D. the date given? There was no zero here. Who said that? Uh, Sherry said that. Sherry, the librarian. The librarian. <laughs> All right. There is no year zero in history. It's the only turn from one century to another where there's not a one hundred or a two hundred. Or the, 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 there was nobody there in year zero. Right. It's not a thing. So you got to. Make account for that. If that just blew your mind, just don't worry about it. It's okay. We're close enough. That's the way I look at this stuff. Um, So all that to say, you have this date that Gabriel gives to Daniel that lands, if if you do the math this way, and there are other ways to do the math, I should say that, it lands at 27 AD, which is very likely the year that Jesus was baptized. That's his anointing, if you will. And he's called by Gabriel the anointed one. And so you have a potentially very exact prophecy of the span of time until the Messiah is anointed. And how do I, how do I, so let's say that an archeologist Uh, uncovers the fact that Jesus was crucified in 33 AD, which is also entirely possible, which means he'd been baptized in 30 AD. And someone might say, ha-ha, Daniel was wrong. He was off by three years. Well, actually, he probably wasn't because there are so many ways to account for the discrepancies between a Jewish monthly lunar calendar and a Roman calendar. Solar calendar which which are five and a quarter days apart every year and do that over four hundred and eighty three years you figure that out right so All of that to say we are not just in the ballpark we are you know that ball is in the same glove and and one one reading might have it in in you know high in the glove low in the glove doesn't matter to me um so there are different ways of rendering all these numbers this is just one of them is that close enough for you it's close enough for me um and so amazing really quite astonishing that this is recorded uh 530 years before jesus is born now here's kind of the rest of the story Remember the three magi, those guys mentioned in what, Matthew? Um, They came from here. They came from where this prophecy was issued, from this culture, this Persian empire. And so it is entirely likely that they had been paying attention to this prophecy the whole time, and they had passed down the knowledge of this estimate Uh, Until this star appears and three guys look at each other and they go, holy cow. Oh, wait, that's the other way. Um, That was a religious joke, but not very funny. Um, uh, They look at each other and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. If he's going to be anointed king in 27 AD, he probably is born in 4 BC. They're looking at it going, this all adds up. The star is telling us that that king is being born right now. And they leave uh, ancient Persia, modern-day Iran, and they hoof it on their camels to Israel. We'll get to that much later in the series, but what an astonishing um, fact that that, the memory of this prophecy is preserved in a non-Jewish culture to the point that they show up when the appointed birth is upon them. When they see just a sign in the sky, they know what it is. So, okay. Um, then I think I mentioned there's there's a half a week of years, a half of complete book that's mentioned there. That would be three and a half years in our math, which dates pretty well from the time of his baptism to the time of his crucifixion, where where Gabriel says to Daniel, sacrifices will end. There will be no more need for animal sacrifices after his sacrifice. That's what what Gabriel's trying to say. So an astonishing prophecy, not just of the timing of Christ's anointing, but of the impact that it will have on Israel, on God's people, on history, on um, who we are as God's children. And so... Let's just try to uh, unpack some more of what's in this passage. We're talking about hope, right? This idea that, um, that God will bring about His will in His timing for our benefit. And, um, Lori. I did not put in my notes the slide with the main ideas. There it is. Thank you. Okay, so Gabriel makes an appearance at an unexpected time. He reveals an unexpected prophecy about a coming anointed one. And the bottom line is this. When all seems lost, the hope of Christ breaks through. Daniel could not have been in a place in his life where despair was a higher option than what he was facing. And it had gotten even to the point in his lifetime where the king was so hostile to, or the king's influencers were so hostile to Daniel's faith that he gets thrown into a lion's den. And he doesn't give up. He looks up. And it's a, it's a reminder to us of what we are to do in the midst of despair we are to look to the breaking in of Christ into our reality for hope so what is what do we catch daniel doing in the opening verses of this passage he's he's telling us to follow his lead to pray toward god's hope that even in the despair of his circumstances he's still engaging his creator for the sake of bringing hope into his context and that of God's people. To do this, we need to get into the right posture. Um, I'm a Texan, so I don't do humility naturally. might surprise you, maybe a little. Um, Daniel seems to just dwell there to live there, to be very comfortable in this place and posture of humility. As he prays, he he engages in confession first and foremost. He is extremely painfully honest with God and with himself about his sin. And Daniel is one of the few figures in in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, who doesn't have any zits. He doesn't have any, you know, boogers stuck to his beard. He's just, he's a clean guy. He's a bit enviable in that respect, and and I don't relate well to Daniel as a man because I'm way more messed up than he seems to be, right? But here's a guy that we don't have any real record of him messing up in his faith, and yet he begins his prayer in deep, honest confession. He just pours himself out, and he doesn't stop at confessing his own sin. He he confesses the sin of God's people at large. That's a lot of sin. Um, But he seems very concerned about this barrier that stands between man and their creator, which is our sin. And so he's focused there. This is what impedes the progress of the gospel in our own hearts. And Daniel knows this, and so Daniel is is laser-focused on the problem. And so he's engaged in confession, but he's praying toward God's will. This is very Jesus-like. Thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, right? Right? And what he's praying for is the restoration of Jerusalem, not because of his nationalistic pride, but because Daniel understands something about the temple. If there is no temple in Jerusalem, then there cannot be a Messiah. When the Messiah is born, he he will have to be consecrated at that temple. According to the Levitical law, the Old Testament law of Moses. There's a process for identifying the Messiah. And before Daniel's given a timeline, which probably was a little bit of a bummer to him, right? Like, hey, Daniel, don't worry, the Messiah's coming in 500 years. Right? It's like, oh, dude. So, Daniel is focused on the problem of our sin and the restoration of that place where the Messiah can be born, can be consecrated, can be made official, if you will, by according to the word of God. And so he's got the right posture. He's he's dialed into his own sin He's focused on the, the coming of the promise of God and the Messiah. We're to get the right posture in our prayer, and we're to know that God is listening. Now, Daniel has a little bit of an unfair advantage. He prays. God goes, oh, hey, Gabe, get a message to this guy. I want him to know something. Right? So Daniel gets a direct supernatural response to his prayer, an angel appears to him. The first time it happens, just one chapter later, you can read it for yourself. I highly recommend it. Maybe this is where Daniel um, has a flaw. He pretty much poops himself, which I would too, right? An angel appears, and it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, uh, I'm out. Like, this is crazy. And the, the angel Gabriel literally has to say, hey, 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 it's okay. Uh, don't freak out. Go go clean yourself up and come back because we got some, I got a conversation I want to have with you, right? And so Gabriel is proof that God is listening. Daniel's probably not even sure if his prayers are being heard because he's cut off from his homeland. He's a captive. He, everything has gone wrong. Did you notice he's still marking the day? By the hours of the temple, he was praying at the time of the evening sacrifice. That's a Jewish thing. There's no evening sacrifice in, in Babylon or Mead. Mead, Persia, Mead, I don't know, whatever. Whatever freak place he's been taken to. He's still marking his day the Jewish way. The, 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 according to the timing of the temple. This guy, is, he's focused. So we're to know that God is listening to our prayers, and we're, so we're to seek to understand his response. Um, at the very minimum, the guarantee that Daniel gets when Gabriel shows up is whatever, Dan, whatever Gabriel's about to say is really important because this is, this is the big guy. This is the archangel over all the other angels. He's the most important messenger, that's what angel means, um, in the, the celestial realm. And so Daniel knows when Gabriel identifies himself, like, oh, hello, we're serious, this is a big deal. We're to know that God is listening, to seek to understand the importance of what God is saying to us through his word, and we're to know that we are loved. That's actually Gabriel's first message to Daniel. Hey, I know, I know it stinks to be you right now. But you need to know that God loves you. You need to know he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't cast you off. He hasn't uh, abandoned you. In fact, he's true to his word where it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. You are loved. And when we pray, it should be part of the way that God reinforces to us his love for us. So we're to pray towards the hope that is ours in Christ. This is what Daniel is doing. And we are to know God's priorities for us and for the world. Um, He is on a mission to vanquish evil from this planet. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I can't even get the evil out of my own heart. Why would I still believe that God can vanquish all the evil from this world? Well, because he promised that he will. And he's true to his word. And this is one of those places in scripture where you're you're sort of mind-blowingly brought to an awareness that God is in control of this universe. If he can predict to the year the anointing of his son as the Messiah, he can do whatever he wants. And so, and and by the way, as far as Old Testament prophecies are concerned, there's no real way around this. There's, There's no way to argue, no, no, this wasn't written. These numbers weren't, they were inserted into the text after jesus was anointed that those dates were you know they were they were (sighs) do you have any idea how impossible it would be to insert words numbers into a jewish sacred text it didn't it's never happened like this people you can't you can't mess with this text it's been copied so many times that we have very reliable (laughs) understanding of what was in the text before Jesus was even born. And so there's no way around this. This is, a, this is a time stamp of God's promise to bring his Messiah to the earth. That's what it is. And it's huge. It's, it's a massively important text. And it helps us to know that God is on a path to vanquish evil, to conquer sin, and to provide atonement for the sins of his people. He literally says this through Gabriel to Daniel. This is about bringing an end to the sacrifices. This is about atonement. This is about dealing with everything Daniel has been so focused on confessing. I'm going to take all of it to the cross, and I'm going to nail it there, and it will be gone as far as you're concerned. God's priority is to vanquish evil in our hearts and in this world, And to usher in eternal peace. If you can believe this, God literally wants to bring eternal peace to bear on your heart. And am I saying this too strongly? My my heart is at war with God over his will, his word, my will, my word, Um, there is a battle there. And God says through Gabriel to Daniel, I'm going to win. I've got this. I will bring eternal peace to the heart of people who will not be able to believe That they finally have found peace with God. That's what I do. That's who I am. And so get out of my way. Because I'm coming. We have to know this. We have to understand this. We have to see. That God is on a, a war path. To fulfill his word. And at the end of that battle. There will be peace. He is on this mission to fulfill his word and to establish his place among his people. This is ultimately what the temple represents. So um, the Ark of the Covenant that Indiana Jones had for just that brief moment um, has two eagles on the cover of it. It's covered in gold got two eagles, and their their wings kind of span out over the the ark, and this is considered in the the way it was built, designed, and purposed, this is the throne seat of God. That ark dwells in the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary of the temple in Jerusalem. That's where it sits, and it represents the, the literal presence of God on earth. It's his, it's his seat, it's his throne room, it's his, the point of his presence on this planet is what it represents. When Daniel hears the words from Gabriel, like this is going to end all sacrifice, this is going to end the need for the temple, and then he goes on to say, and by the way, the temple will be there for the several hundred years in really troubled times, and then it'll be desecrated. It'll be destroyed. We'll, we'll talk about that more in a, in a second. But this Messiah, this anointed one, is going to bring an end to the need for that temple. Here's how, here's how it works. <laughs> You've heard in, in, in one of the Pauline letters in the New Testament the phrase that you, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard that before? It's in the Bible. I can show it to you. Um, how good is your pastor? Yeah, he's okay. Okay. Can he quote scripture? You know, by testament. Right? I can usually get the testament right. Um, But your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you are that span of wings on the Ark of the Covenant. God dwells in you. Jesus exploded, excuse me, this idea that God has one dwelling place on earth. He has literally millions. We are it. Everywhere we go, God goes with us. And this is exactly what Gabriel is prophesying to Daniel, that God is on this mission to establish his place among his people. He will do that first by restoring and rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And then once the Messiah is consecrated and has offered his life as a sacrifice for the atonement of our sin... There'll be no more need for this nonsense. That's all taken care of in Christ. So we're to pray towards hope, to know God's priorities for us, his people, and to look to God's son to establish God's hope in our hearts. Daniel is praying about Jerusalem But Gabriel is talking about the anointed one. The two are related. But Gabriel understands and Daniel understands to a certain extent. You cannot have one without the other. Daniel's praying for the pre-work. Like lay the groundwork, God, so that when your Messiah comes, he can be your Messiah. And Gabriel says, hey, we're going to take this full cycle. We're not just talking about a temple. We're talking about the complete atonement of the sins of God's people for eternity, the remaking of the idea of the temple of God. And to look to God's Son means to recognize the Messiah in in this text and in our own hearts, to look for Him in God's timing, to look to Him in troubled times for him to be what we focus on in our own despair, in our own sorrow, in our own dejection, to recognize the hope of the Messiah and to recognize the sacrifice that he made, that this Jesus would be called the Lamb of God, the one who would take away the sins of the world. And he does this in such a way that the entire temple system of sacrifice is made null and void, no longer necessary. To be at peace with God, to have that hope, we have to accept his death for our sin. His death ended the need for sacrifices. So I'm going to take you to this weird little ending. Um. Verse 26, after the 62 weeks an anointed one shall be cut off, shall have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So in 70 A.D., if, if Jesus, according to this math, if he died in 30 A.D., and it doesn't matter if it was 31, 32, 33, whatever, doesn't matter. In 70 A.D., the Roman army destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, and um, it was not pretty. They, they, the first thing they did, um, they, they broke open the Holy of Holies, which the veil had already been torn. You've heard that at, at Easter time, I'm sure, um, when Christ died. The, the wall, the, the cloth wall that held that Holy of Holies as a sacred place was torn and torn open and exposed, and, the, and the, this place that represented the, the seat of God was exploded to the ends of the earth through us, and Jesus completely changes the Dynamics of, of God's relationship to his people. But the Roman army desecrates and then destroys the temple in 70 AD. It's never been rebuilt. Do you know what sits there today? The Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's the place that Muslims believe that their prophet Muhammad was taken up into heaven from there. And it's a very sacred place in Islam. Um, I don't see the temple being rebuilt anytime time ever, personally, because it's already been rebuilt in this world. You are it. Each of us are a brick of that temple. We are the presence of God on earth. And, and so I realize that's a radical statement. Some Christians believe very firmly that that temple will be rebuilt in time. And, and they, some believe they will be rebuilt in our lifetime. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I think God's already taken care of everything he needed to take care of on that cross. And here we are, his temple on earth. Um, so we are to accept his death, and enter into his covenant. Uh, Gabriel uses this word when he's talking to, da- to Daniel. He says, in, in this final span of time, uh, this anointed one will establish his covenant with God's people. A covenant is established, at least at this level, but with blood. It's an agreement that is, that the literal word means a cutting to, to covenant meant to cut, an agreement. And often in a covenantal uh, agreement between two parties, an animal would be sacrificed. The sentiment was, if I break this covenant, may it be unto me, as we did to this pigeon or whatever whatever your deal was sealed with. And Jesus effectively says, "I'm, I'm providing that sacrifice. And when my people break my covenant, may it be unto me, as it was unto these lambs at the temple for all those times. May it be unto me. I will pay. I will atone for their sin. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at your word. The ways in which you look down through the halls of history and you seem to be just gazing into our souls to call us to repentance, into a posture of confession, to realize that you are on a path to vanquish evil and bring into our hearts everlasting peace. Lord, help us to lay claim each and every day to that grace that is ours through the anointed one that you sent, your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray, amen. Amen.